God. Thank you. Maybe see this morning. Amen. Our children are dismissed now to go to Children's Church as we are reveling in the song that we just sang. We have to remember that he's worthy and why he's worthy. In Revelation chapter number 6, this is why he is worthy. You are worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof because you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by the blood by thy blood you've redeemed out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation you've rescued us you've ransomed us you've saved us you gave us a new identity You have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. He is worthy because he was slain. This morning, before we go any further, as we are in the season of resurrection, as we talked about last week, there's no resurrection without crucifixion. Let us bow before the one who is worthy. Let us consider why he is worthy. I'm going to give you all a moment for you to pray, meditate, reflect on this awesome reality. And I'll pray for us and we'll continue. Lord, as I come before you today, I'm mindful of Mary Magdalene. She sat at the feet of your son Jesus so she could hear from him and learn from him. Today, I, I, I just imagine that we are here and that there's so much that we could be busy doing and that we have often we busy ourselves with doing. But Lord, right now is the time for us just to sit at the feet of Jesus. There is a time for work. 
There are necessary, busy things to do, as it were. There is a place for hosting. But there's also a time for sitting at the feet of your son. Our our, our profession is that we are disciples. That we follow your son. That that, that we try to do our best to, to look like your son. To have his mannerisms and his customs. To do things the way that he would do them. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask that we would, we would just, we would sit there today with our eyes fixed, our ears attuned, our hearts opened so that we could receive the good teaching from your Son. And Lord, I pray as I say this, I'm the one who's going to be speaking. And so, Lord, so that they don't hear the voice of Macaulay or the thoughts of this Rambunctious preacher, Lord, might your spirit empower and fill the words so that they are the words that come from you. And not the vain teachings of a mere man. Lord, I pray. And I pray that whatever we need to receive from you, Whatever you want us to know today, we will hear. And we will not only hear it, but we will apply it to our lives. And it will be invigorating to us. It will be transformative to us, Lord. And Lord, here's what I know. Let us not just receive the easy word today. The milk, as it were. Let us bite down on the meat. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. And everybody said with me, amen. Um, last night, I had a dream that uh, my family and I were taking our boys to a, a sporting event, one of their sports events. Uh, kind of interesting, none of our kids are playing sports this spring, which has been the best spring uh, since COVID <laughs> spring. Uh, but... Uh, we were going to a, an event. It was at an unfamiliar venue. And of course, we get there and the parking is just a nightmare. It's a, you know, that, that could have just been the nightmare of the dream itself. It's just trying to find a parking spot. And not only were we trying to find a parking spot, we were uh, like, you know, we're, we're, we're running right on time. So everything is with haste that we're doing this. And, and, and we're circling around and, and, uh, and, and there's just no spots or I miss spots and, you know. Um, I have this driver who sits in my back seat. Um, she sits in the passenger seat, but y- you would call her a back seat driver, right? And so she's like, well, what, what about that spot? And there's like a little bit of tension and frustration, you know, but, but finally we find a parking spot. We get out and we're all rushing in and, uh, and we get to the sports venue. Uh, and really it's kind of like, you know, you know how dreams do. You just get transferred from one thing to the next. And it's like, don't know what the sport event was, um, who, who played, which one of the boys' uh, teams it was, who won. Uh, the next thing I know is we are leaving the sporting event. And, uh, and of course, we're leaving, and we have, it, it's, it's, it's my wife, uh, my beautiful bride, Brittany, 
my mother, my wonderful mother, Faith, um, and then my boys, um, the treacherous little demons that they are. No, I'm just joking. Uh, it's my three boys, and then we also had some friends in tow, and uh, some of their friends in tow. So, so, so we're trying to leave, and. And, and this happens every single time, like, we're, we're going, we're, it's like trying to herd cats with our kids, you know, uh, trying to keep them from, like, running out to the parking lot and everything. And, of course, we're walking by, and we're seeing friends, and we're greeting, and we're saying goodbye, and just having little casual conversations. And, 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 and it's kind of, it, there's, like, this, this feeling, it's just kind of arduous, just trying to get to the, to the vehicle, um, period. And so, and so everybody's, everybody's going out to the car and my mom has the boys and my mom, she's, um, I'll tell y'all this story at another time, but we ended up on Bourbon Street in, uh, New Orleans a few weeks ago and, uh, and Asher got really nervous. We, it was unintentional. I can promise you that, but, uh, but Asher got nervous, but it was funny because like, not only was he nervous, my mom was really nervous too. And, uh, and she was like, you know, trying to keep it together. And, uh, Asher was like, we got to leave right now. Like, this is not Friendswood, you know? And, uh, but like, it was like, and my mom was like, yeah, I think he's, I think, yeah, let's do this for Asher. But it was not for Asher at all. It was for her heart, hundred percent. But, uh, but that's kind of how I had her in my mind in this dream was that she was like, just kind of anxious and like watching out for the kids and, and probably kind of feeling like, you know, Brittany and I as we're saying hi to our friends and everything. Like, are you even watching these kids? You know, do you even care about them? And, yeah, sometimes um, we do. Uh, but uh, so, so we're, we're getting out and it just feels like it's kind of arduous getting to the car, trying to keep all the kids together. And, and, and then we get out to this parking lot. And like I said, it was an unfamiliar venue, unfamiliar parking spot. We, we arrived in haste. And then it's like, man, where did we park? And so we're walking around and it's like we're trying to make sure that the kids watch out for cars as they go. And, and uh, we're walking around and, and, and it's like, OK, I think we parked over here. And. Uh, it's not over here. And, and so we, we get everybody together and I'm leading this expedition, which is totally wrong because Brittany always remembers exactly. She's like great with directions. I'm the worst with directions and she's wonderful with them. That's why she drives so well from the passenger side. Um, and uh, so she, uh, she, she's, she, she should have been leading, but everybody's following me for some reason. And, and, and like, I'm like, well, maybe over here. And then it's like, well, is this even the right parking lot? Maybe there's an adjoining parking lot, and, 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 and as, as, the, as the parking lot gets emptier and emptier, and we're not finding our car, the reality begins to creep in that our vehicle was stolen. And then immediately, I'm seized by this reality, and then it starts, all these things start processing in my brain, like, oh no, what, what was in the car? You know, we, we need to contact the police. Uh, was Brittany's wallet in the car? Um, we, need, we need to call the credit card company, you know? And, and, and so then, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sleeping anymore. Now I'm awake, and I'm just processing, what would I do in that situation? And, and, and it was disturbing, and it was shocking, and it was like, man, if you've ever had anything stolen from you, it's, there's this violation feeling. Uh, I remember um, in college, uh, we went to a Rangers baseball game one night and came out, and my uh, truck window had been smashed, and my uh, catalog of CDs, compact disc, um, we used to have to carry these, like, binders full of compact disc around like kids 
are so, our technology is so great that I can have all my music accessed here now, you know. Um, all my CDs that I'd spent, you know, hundreds of dollars on, gone. And I just felt like somebody took my stuff. Of course, that's a little violation. Some of us have been violated in much deeper ways. But I felt all these things, but I woke up and I began to process, what would I do if this happened? And then just the thought came to me, which I would, I would say, it's not just a thought that comes, I, I, you know, the spirit breathes in my direction. And I was like, I wonder what it felt like for Christ's disciples that first morning of resurrection. Surely you've put yourself in that position before. You've, you've thought about Mary. You're like, you, you, you put yourself in the place of Mary and the others. Arriving at the tomb and finding that the stone has been rolled away, which is peculiar because you know that not only was there a stone that was rolled there, but there were armed guards standing by. And, and, and the shock is not a shock of relief. It's not like, oh, he really did raise from dead. Uh, from death, because that's not what goes through your mind. The, the shock is a shock of horror and terror. You, you remember, you know, Mary, in John's gospel, it, it's Mary's perspective that he tells of. And, and she runs back and she gets Peter and John and, and they run and they have a race, obviously, because one of them got there faster than the other ones we had to know, right? They, they get there and, and they look in and they see that the stone is rolled away and that the tomb is empty and, and, and they're just in, in shock and disbelief and, and, and they just, we don't know what happens. They meander off but, but but Mary is still left there weeping she's overcome with terror and grief horror what happened and we know this because, because she looks in and, and she sees two angelic messengers. And, and, and this should be a key to us, that she sees two angelic messengers. And John doesn't tell us that they had to go, fear not. You, you know, most times whenever people run into an angelic messenger, an angel in, in, in Scripture, an angel just means like a heavenly messenger. When they run into one, they don't just go like, about their business, their business stops. But Mary's business doesn't stop because her business right now is horror and terror and shock and awe and she is overcome with grief and worry and questions. What's going on? What, what happened? And what she wants to know is what did they do with Jesus? Think about that. She's not even shocked to see two angels. She just wants to know what they did with his body.
They don't answer her in John's gospel. She doesn't wait around for an answer. She's a frantic woman. Overcome. Seized. You put yourself in their positions, haven't you, before? You've done that. You've thought through, what was it like? And of course, this wasn't the first shock of the weekend. This wasn't the first time that uh, Christ's disciples were watching events play out before them that never should have happened in their estimation. Consider this quote. This is from an Episcopal bishop, Philip Rhinelander. It's from uh, Fleming Rutledge's wonderful book, The Crucifixion. And uh, Bishop uh, Rhinelander writes, If ever mortal men found a hero to worship on this earth, those men were the disciples. They indeed were hero worshipers. Think of the horror, the horrid shock and shame which overwhelmed them at the cross. It was no splendid martyrdom for a great cause. No glorious conquest won at the cost of life. No epic to be sung and celebrated. No, on that first Friday, the cross was simply an utter overthrow. A speechless failure. It was all sordid, cruel, criminal, a gross injustice, an intolerable defeat of good by evil, of God by the devils. He was their hero, their chosen leader, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was cast out with the curse upon him. I'll pause the quote there. Not only was he defeated on Friday, and they're trying to piece that together, but now they show up on Sunday, and the violations haven't ended. Where did they take him? What have they done with his body? And you know what's implied there is not like, did they, did they just hide him for safekeeping? The implication there is, what more did they want to do to hurt him? And to hurt us who trusted in him? Shock. Horror. Terror are those immediate moments. And we looked at this last year. Thought of this thought a little bit in a little bit of a different vein, but think about later on even in the day when the two on the road to Emmaus in Luke's gospel. They're leaving Jerusalem which is kind of a tale. That they were among the disciples, but now they're leaving Jerusalem. 
And they're not leaving Jerusalem going, he's alive, he's alive. He's alive. It's a great song. Remember that from whenever I lived in Wyoming. Isn't that crazy how songs just stick with you? Now they leave disputing. What happened? What took place? And Jesus has to come along and surprise them. Now I chose this word surprise. It kind of came to my mind as uh, the Lord was leading through this message. But I came to that word surprise and, and, and for whatever hankering, I thought, I wonder if that originally didn't mean happy birthday. And I don't know, maybe I'm just smart, right? And that's why I might have thought this. I like to think I am. No, I'm just joking. Again, I just think that spirit just breathing a little bit. But I was like, and I just had a thought. I was like, I wonder if that was like tied to like some military language. And guys, I am smart. Uh, truly, I mean, I was, I was shocked to find this because, you know, I don't always get it right. But when you look up the etymology of the word surprise, a surprise party originally was a stealth military detachment. The festive sense is attested nearly by 19, or in the mid to late 19th century. But until, you know, not even 200 years ago. The word, which comes from Latin and uh, gets down into English, but, but the word had military connotation to it. The reason why I want to uh, think about this word this way this morning is because a surprise is usually an attack. And if you are in a military conquest, whenever you are attacking people, you are taking from them. Uh, you, you, you have been taken by surprise. Not only were you caught off guard, but you were caught off guard so that your stuff could be stolen from you. And I thought about that this morning because... One of the motifs of Jesus throughout Scripture, and we even sing about it, is that he is the true sovereign Lord of all creation. And if you think about how kings come into power and authority, uh, up until very recently in human history, it was that everybody went and cast their ballot, and then we all complained about it. 
or feared whether our ballot was correctly counted. Nope, back in the day, you became authority, king, ruler, by beating, by beating the, other, the other guy. Think about Rome. Think about Caesar. Think about how they are always killing rival Caesars. Wars were fought over. Whoever Civil wars were fought. And whoever won the civil war, was it Octavian and Antony? Whoever wins, wins this war gets to be ruler. So whenever we go to the Bible and we hear him being king, we shouldn't think in our American sensibility, well, that means that all the people voted for him. No, that means that he won the battle. But of course, the shocking, scandalous thing is that if you die on a cross, you've won no battle. You've lost. But Jesus' great surprise is articulated by Paul in Colossians. I love how he uses this military language. Colossians chapter number 2. He says, um, verse number 13, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's talking to people who were not Jewish by ethnicity. He's talking to Gentiles specifically here. He says, you who were not only dead in your sins, but you, you were uncircumcised. You weren't even under the law. He has quickened together with him, or he has made alive with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses, he has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. All the judgment, all the condemnation, all the shame, all the guilt, all the accusation against you has been nailed to the cross. Been blotted out. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us, which was contrary to us. It was not for your good. Those, those writings against you. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and then he says these words, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That language, spoiled, is the same language that you would use in a military campaign. You would say, not only did they take over the city, but they spoiled the city. They got the spoils of war. So, all that to say, Jesus, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus with his disciples whenever he showed up in their midst, he surprised them. And I want to say it like this this morning. He made a surprise attack on all of their sensibilities. He made a surprise attack on what they were hoping in. He made a surprise attack 
on, they, on the way they thought things would be won. That victory would be had. And his surprise attack was no attack at all. His surprise attack was laying down his life. His surprise attack was overcoming death. Raised. Raised to new life. And when he did that, when he did that, not only did he defeat the principalities and the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, but when he did that, he put to death for all those who can recognize it. He put to death the idea that for, for you to win, others have to lose. I'm dealing a lot with this with my son right now. He's nine years old. He's a big brother. He's full of big brother. Somebody said that the other day, and I've been running with it because it's a great way to put it. full on big brother energy. I'm sure you know about big brother energy. We talked about it a few years ago. We're playing baseball, throwing uh, uh, softballs, and hitting them around my backyard. And uh, he uh, always reminded me. Manipulate things to their own advantage. One of the ways in which my son tries to win is whenever his little brother says something. It's always wrong. He never gets it right. And oh, Oliver, let me just tell you, And you know what? I was a little brother, but whenever I hear big brother using big brother energy, I go, that's not just big brother energy. That's the way of this world. Because I was a little brother, and I use that all the time. Let me, let me tell you what's more accurate here. Well, actually... Jesus put to death this idea that, and it was a surprise attack, right? Against the sensibility that we're only going to win if others lose. And we could carry on, but this is just a primer for this. Because the Holy Spirit has to take it and go, what else? What sensibility and we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, but we have to continue pressing into it. What other sensibility did he make a surprise attack on that you've been relying on?
You know, I think about this even as a church. It's hard for us in our modern era. It's hard for us in this commercialized, consumerized culture that we live in to not think, to not try to measure up, as it were, like all the businesses of this world try to measure up. Y'all feel that sometimes? There's this thing. As a pastor, I have to fight it as as uh, parishioners, you have to fight it as well. Y'all like being called parishioners, don't y'all? Um, no, but we have to fight against this idea that you know what's going to really make our church stand out from the rest? A really flashy logo and a really catchy tagline. You know what I found? Every church out there has a really flashy logo and a great tagline. You know what's going to make our church stand out from the rest? A bigger building. Uh, XYZ. And listen, do not get me wrong. I like flashy logos. I like cool taglines. Uh, in another life, I try to, to do some graphic design stuff, and my wife, who has been trained in graphic design, always yells at me. So my point here is not to say, well, we at Friendswood Baptist Church will never build an, another, another building, and we'll never care about this one. No, this is a gift from God. But what we will say is we at Friendswood Baptist Church will never be duped by the way of this world to say if we have all the things that this world says that we need to have, we will succeed. And that is a constant, a constant battle in which we always need the surprise attack from the Lord from. What we need to understand this morning, they were not just shocked. They were not just in awe. Mary was not just horrified about what had happened. Mary and the other disciples and everybody who's heard the story on down the line was under a surprise attack from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he was saying, whatever sensibilities you have about winning and victory and might and triumph and success and glory that do not look like the way of the cross, they're under attack. And we started out this morning by remembering 
Why was he worthy to take the scroll? Why was he worthy? Because he was slain. Why was he worthy? Because he allowed his blood to be poured out. Now let's not just think about that in a vacuum. Let's think about it like this. He allowed his blood to spill out. Choosing not. Choosing not to take the blood of the high priest, Caiaphas. Or the Sanhedrin. Or the centurion guards who were spitting in his face, mocking him, jeering him. Or Pilate who said, oh, I'll just wash his blood off my hands. He not only gave his blood, he gave his blood because he chose not to take theirs. So my brothers and my sisters, he is worthy. And here's something that's so beautiful about this. As I was reading, we were singing that song, I was reading Revelation uh, 4, or 5 and 6 again. In 5, they're going, God, the Father is worthy. He's worthy. And then they turn and they see the, the lamb who was slain. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And they begin to say, worthy is the lamb. And I thought about that verse where God says, he will not share his glory with another. But there he is. There he is. Father sharing glory with the Son. And he approves. Because the Son has done the will of the Father. My brothers and my sisters, might we take these words, let the Spirit Get them into our hearts and minds. As we go from this place today, let's think. What's he making a surprise attack on me for? What's he saying? You don't need to trust in this anymore. That will only lead to death. You need to trust in this, which looks like death to you. Because it will only lead to life. With that I say, Amen. Lord, might we, might we know that our sensibilities each and every day, our natural way of thinking, Paul would say it, our flesh is constantly under attack by your spirit. But our flesh is so aggressive, Lord. And your spirit, though confident, your spirit, 
though adamant, is not violently aggressive like our flesh. And so sometimes it's easy for us to think that real attack is the flesh on the spirit. But it's the spirit on the flesh. That spirit not only brings us peace, but that spirit attacks our flesh very patiently. But might we know, even though the spirit is patient, not as violently aggressive as the flesh, the spirit is attacking all the flesh's sensibilities. All the flesh's hopes, all the flesh's desires. And Lord, why we who are Christ's disciples allow your spirit to seize the day each and every day while it's called today. Lord, might we understand that this attack, a surprise attack, is a gift that leads to life. So Lord, here I am, I stand before my brothers and my sisters, and we say, Lord, fight for us, fight against us, and let your spirit be alive in us. I pray and I ask all these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. My brothers and my sisters, I love y'all. I'm thankful for you. Uh, This week, let's remember, uh, Dr. Boone will continue his teaching uh, on Wednesday night. Um, There's also uh, on... um, on Monday night, for the ladies in our church who are 18 and up, uh, there is a uh, teaching going on here. Our friends at Antioch uh, Church are leading that teaching, and um, and uh, I know we've had several of our ladies in our church who uh, attended this the first session this last Monday. But if y'all want to do that, you need to register online, and uh, and we send out emails with the registration information. But if you don't get the emails, let us know, huh? Oh, they don't need to register. All right, Brittany said, don't, don't, you don't have to do nothing, just show up. All right, so uh, y'all do that. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, uh, we're uh, gearing up for some stuff for the uh, summer that we'll be letting uh, y'all know about uh, for like our, our children and our youth uh, that we're going to do this summer. Um, we'll be uh, getting the word out about that uh, in the next week and two, or week or two. And um, other than that, what we are called to do each and every day is understand it's not our flesh attacking our spirit. Our spirit attacking our flesh. And we need to walk in that spirit. It's victory of that spirit. And so, let's go from this place under attack, letting the spirit win. Amen?